starting my own agency in university and had been fit my whole life. But what I found ironically with success was that the better I did, the more immobile I got. And I kind of blinked and 10 years later, went from someone who was like quite fit in their teens and early 20s to being uh, incredibly out of weight. And through a video that um, I guess a mutual friend, uh, your coworker Lindsay Westfall, sent me. Uh, she was just telling me about some work that she was doing with an account, and she says, oh, you gotta check this out, you'll love it. And she sends it to me. And, you know, whenever someone sends you a link these days, you're like, oh, all right, I guess I gotta click on it, right? <laughs> you don't know how much, it was just a link in a, uh, a text message. And uh, so anyway, I clicked through it, and. I usually see how long it is, like an hour or two minutes. I guess I'll give it a give it a whirl. And that was one of the most inspiring two minutes that I'd ever seen in any YouTube link. And especially from something which was essentially a commercial, right? But it didn't leave me feeling that it was a commercial. Like it was a commercial. And um you know, I'm I'm gonna post the link in the show notes so people can see it um, and experience it, but that was one of the reasons I want to talk to you because in that two minutes, I felt really connected to not only you, what you had been through, what you accomplished, also your, your professional work, um, what you were doing on the, uh, you know, physical level and everything that makes me excited to be part of the Academy of Lions, I felt in that two minutes. Oh, amazing. Right? So, you know, that was cool. And I just kind of um, use the podcast as an excuse just to get to know you better. That's that's my little life hack. Let's do it. Let's right? get into Let's it. Let's just do it. So could you describe that two minutes of video to everybody who's not seen it yet? Sure. So um, I'm a creative director by trade. I work at an agency and... Um, was kind of headhunted and brought back to Toronto in 2014. Previous to that, I had been running my own agency um, in Montreal and was like quite fortunate to do quite well uh, starting my own agency in university and had been fit my whole life. But what I found ironically with success was that the better I did, the more immobile I got. And I kind of blinked and 10 years later went from someone who was like quite fit in their teens and early 20s to being uh, incredibly out of weight. And my family's from Toronto and I was kind of incentivized to come back here. And I had always kind of surrounded myself with uh, colleagues who were friends. And when I moved back here, I kind of walked into this new mm. office and was like, oh, my God, I am that disgustingly out of shape person. And. Um, I find that like millennials take a lot of slack, but what was quite interesting is that uh, when I started working with these colleagues, like they were just so physically adventurous, doing spin class one night and like you know battle ropes the next night. Um, that I just you know through a lot of different inputs was like I have to start getting my life together. And right. um, previously, you know, I had bought gear and had tried to work out, and nothing ever worked, and so I had to find something that was a last ditched effort. So. Um, as funny as it sounds, I just decided to uh, to take up walking with the goal of trying to walk uh, 2,015 kilometers in, in 2015. And right. so 
the video is kind of a uh, like human, vulnerable um, depiction of that two years, which intercuts kind of like archival footage of me at my heaviest, which was like over 250 pounds, uh, effectively losing about 100 pounds over the course of a year through walking. And I mean, you really got to see it to feel it. You know, that's an amazing description. And um, what was so incredible about that story is that, you know, and, and you've said in an interview before where, you know, fitness is kind of a selfish thing, but you decided to uh, make it about the community that you were in. Uh, and, and the video actually, you know, makes a great point of this that you and, and how it frames the um, the the idea that, you know, you're this person in this city and you're trying to connect yourself, you're trying to connect your city and community and, you know, tell everybody what you did to actually help yourself connect to your goal and to your city. Totally. So I'm quite fortunate. I work in advertising where, you know, I'm paid quite well. I'm always like conscious about that. And one thing that I found um, beyond I got after getting through the aches and pains of, of walking was like, I just found it to be like incredibly meditative, just being really present out in the world. And because unlike biking or being on the streetcar, um, you're just forced to look into people's eyes. And mm-hmm. so um, through living in Toronto and working here and also having an office in Vancouver, which is right near Gastown, which is right near East Hastings, which is a big epidemic with sure, I love intra- that. Yeah, intravenous drug use and, and homelessness. Um, the irony of spending so much time improving myself um, wasn't lost on me. You know, like uh, having nice running shoes, walking by someone with no shoes, having uh, wicking clothing when mm-hmm. someone's cold. And so it was just so glaringly obvious that I was spending so much time uh, working on myself, which is fine, but ultimately not doing anything for the world. So, uh, I wasn't crazy enough to think that I could fix these big systemic issues, but, uh, I just kind of arrived at this idea of like, what if I tried to give out one peanut butter sandwich for every kilometer that I walked from about last August onwards. And so, uh, I think peanut butter sandwiches I arrived at just because like they're inexpensive to make, they travel well. Right. Um, it's not like <laughs> if you give it a bologna sandwich, someone's like, I like ham. Um, and for me, it was like an incredibly, uh, powerful experience to connect back to the community. Um, not so much feeding people, but, uh, feeling the benefits of like the power of recognition and recognizing people that are typically like invisible Mm -hmm. and how powerful that is for them to be recognized. And, you know, people would be like, Hey man, you give me sandwiches. Can you bring me socks next time? And I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And, uh, for me as someone who is in a process of getting in shape those nights when I was like lazy. Uh, and I started feeling the responsibility. Like there are people that I still continue to feed almost daily. Yeah. Uh, it was an incredible motivator to go out in the cold, go out in the rain, because they're out there. And if uh, I didn't go out and give them a sandwich, they wouldn't eat. Interesting. Well, in fitness, we we you know make a big priority to set up an accountability structure. And maybe that's running with a friend or working out with a friend, but basically someone expecting you to show up. Totally. And that takes you out of yourself into maybe a greater goal, a greater relationship. And that's exactly what you did. By accident. By accident, (laughs) right? You just figured it out. Totally. Um, And what is so impressive about that is that based on what I saw in the video anyway, you had said or in the final kind of uh, credit roll of the video, so that was what you had considered to be your biggest accomplishment over the course of the year. It wasn't the 100 pounds. It was the sandwiches given out. Yeah, I'm naturally like a bit of a hermetic guy, like a, you know, I'm quite solo hanging out at home. I have yeah. a few friends, but like quite close friends, so I'm not like big and social. So 
Uh, for me, I have to fight to be out in the world, mm-hmm. you know? I don't suffer from anxiety, but it's like to, sure. to get outside and be outside like takes a lot of effort. And so yeah. um, to go out there and connect with your community and, you know, make sure that people are okay was like definitely uh, an unforeseen benefit that was the most powerful thing. Just, you know, made me come to terms with privilege, uh, made me come to terms with the fact that I have like the means to pursue all this and um, walking has like given me a ton of gratitude and a ton of peace, um, which I had never envisioned. So uh-huh. the health is great. You know, it's great to be healthy, but uh, that mindfulness and that like inner peace is is ultimately being way more powerful for me. It's a word that's often overused, uh, especially in your line of work and my line of work sure. is lifestyle. Yes. Everybody uses it um, to maybe describe how a brand should be placed or what makes things work. Mm-hmm. But really, that's what it's about. You created a whole lifestyle around this idea of walking and the idea of, of feeding uh, the community as you were, you know, um, kind of feeding yourself. Absolutely. And you created this, this incredible framework. Um, and, and the other bit to that, which I find so fascinating, um, like there's levels to this shit, which, <laughs> totally. which I love, is that it became your work. Yeah. Right. Um, so everything we're talking about is essentially an ad. Yes. For TELUS. It is. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So by day, I'm a creative director at an agency, and one of our clients is Telus. And yeah, like, that's a free plug for Telus. By yeah, the way. and but uh, great work, right? Great work. Um, we're talking about it. We're talking about it, and with with big telco clients, they have a, a ton of agencies, and so there's always mm-hmm. like a creative agency, uh, the lead, which we're not. We kind of do more of lifestyle marketing, like physical marketing that you'd see out on the street. So we were tasked with coming up with an idea for for their health campaign. Uh, last November. And so it wasn't really our place to talk about content. And one of my colleagues was like, man, this story seems so great. Like we should just, we should just pitch it. And mm-hmm. um, oddly, I was kind of opposed to it at the start just because um, felt a little egotistical and to like write yourself into a project um, was quite odd to be on both mm-hmm. sides of the camera in the process. And, um, you know, I'll call it as I see it, but much to tell us as credit, like they just gave me a long leash. I was able to bring uh, my best friend in from New York to direct, like a friend to score the music, a friend to edit. Uh, and they gave us like incredibly long leash and it was quite stressful because I was physically in the video. My name was attached to it. I was representing my agency. So um, we, just had to, we just had to go for broke. Like yeah. if it had bombed, I don't know if I'd be writing myself out of a job, but it would have been like quite close. So wow. Yeah, so, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I never thought about it that way, that there was a lot on the line. And this was a big project because it essentially followed you over the course of a year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure that kept you committed too, right? Yeah. So, yeah, quite a bit. I, the funny thing about that was, um, like, I had just happened to have that archival footage from the from the director. So, that was just like... Oh, right. Okay. Uh, I had been working on, like, another project. And so, when we had started this project, he's like... It was in the can. He was like, oh, it'd be just really powerful if you just had this fat, disgusting uh, footage for you. And I was like, (laughs) I actually have that. And so um, what's quite interesting is that a lot of the archival footage is like literally over the last few years. So there's me sitting in an airport, and that's when I had gone to Sundance for a film that I worked on um, that was shot in Memphis. So you see me riding in a car in Memphis. So for me, it's been like uh, just an amazing documentation of not just a year in my life, but like multiple Mm -hmm. years. And so I feel fortunate, you know, a lot of people like get healthy and Mm -hmm. maybe have some cool photos on Instagram or some moments with a friend. So just to have this kind of like filmic evidence is 
uh, for me, just a nice thing to have on the can to, to look yeah. back on. Just an idea. We should license that walking to Memphis song. I feel like that would be a, <laughs> totally. <laughs> that'd be a good one right Yeah, now. the funny thing is I heard <laughs> Memphis is the most name-dropped city in, in music? popular song. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. That makes sense, though. Yeah, everyone yeah. writes about it. Yeah. Um, what is it like watching that spot right now and, and the footage of you 100 pounds heavier? Yeah, the funny thing is, is um, I was always like quite charismatic and outgoing despite being like a little like antisocial. So I never felt ashamed about being big. And I always had these reasons that I could justify, which I've since learned have been like quite unhealthy where I was like successful and I was mm -hmm. always winning new work and um, growing professionally. Um, so I was like never ashamed at that. And oddly, I still feel like the same person. Uh, but there's just funny moments now where if I'm trying to beat a red light and I run across the street, I feel like a gazelle and I'm like, that would have never have happened before. So, mm. um, for me, you know, it documents like a really interesting time. Uh, just that whole transition that, you know, it's like, I never felt big cause I was like thin before then I just happened to like arrive at being big and now I'm back to being thin. So, and yeah, and in high school, you were a cross-country runner, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I was like in incredible shape. And and, then... and, and you went from there, uh, you know, you've, you've uh, there's there's a great HuffPost piece about you. I guess you, you wrote it, actually, right? Yeah, that was like kind of funny. Like uh, HuffPost sent me an interview, and they were going to cut it into a piece, and then just like ran the whole thing. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, oh, okay, the whole thing's out there. Yeah, and, and you know, in it, you, uh, I guess you say that, uh, you know, you went from being a cross country runner in high school, pretty fit, and then getting to university, hating university, yeah, getting the professional world, uh, and then you know that takes over and your body, you know, yeah. Goes with I oddly it, right? like um, I was fortunate in that like I found uh, a professional pursuit that I could succeed at, but I never really had like a mentor. Like I created my own business and therefore the output of that was creating my own like kind of lifestyle. And right. uh, I'm an excessively hard worker. And, you know, looking back now, like it was so imbalanced. Like I remember living in Montreal for two years where I didn't have a kitchen, just ate just out ate all the out time. Yeah. I remember there were like periods where I would just cab absolutely everywhere because my time was like so crunched. And, you know, I just looking back at it now, the insanity of just like, even the way that a lot of like the corporate world is set up where, you know, you're flown in to work on a project and there, everything's being brought to your desk and there's like beer on tap. And it's just basically like this chain for you to keep working and not moving. And to see that now. It's like a feeding lot. Yeah. At the time I was right. like, this is amazing. Someone's bringing us pizza at eight o'clock and then, oh my God, we're getting pad thai at midnight and cab to the hotel this is like luxury and then i, I just realized like it's just such utter bullshit yeah it's it's, it it's like uh it's like that radiohead song piece right happier fitter more productive yeah right okay computer and that's how it feels like sometimes this whole system is set up just to kind of keep you going but it's it's quite funny because one of my big hesitations in always getting fit was this belief that it would like detract from uh the yep. effort i could put into work uh -huh. um and what was quite like liberating for me was uh last year was like the first time i used like technology to kind of facilitate kind of like moving um and it was powerful in a few ways. Like one, it really did show me like progress before I was experiencing it, right? Like, you know, when you're 250 pounds and you lose two pounds, it doesn't physically look much different. But uh, what was duly powerful was the ability to use like 
talk to tax apps to send emails. And, mm-hmm. you know, my job by day is coming out with ideas. So I'd be out there just kind of like taking notes. And what I realized is that um, not only like was getting fit something I could integrate, but as the benefits started to like unfurl, I just became better at everything that I did. I was more inspired from being out in the world. Like I was feeling healthier. It was like sleeping better. I was eating better. Um, so it was quite amazing in that way as well. So it was something that was counterintuitive to you. Spending more time in yourself actually made you better at spending time in your work. Yes. Right. And that's that for anybody who hasn't really been there, hasn't felt it. It's absolutely true. Yeah. Right? If you're, uh, you know, I know this just with what I do, um, whether it's, you know, uh, through my work with other people or myself, when I'm tired, not fed well, um, you know, stressed out, the quality of my thoughts and my work suffers. Definitely. Definitely. Right. Um, there's a few points that you just made I really wanted to touch on. Sure. Again, there's a lot of levels to this. <clears throat> and the the role of technology, which I found really interesting in a number of ways through that telesad. Number one, th- <laughs> that made me fall in love with a telecommunications company, which is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, no, definitely. Like when's the last time I said, I love... Everyone hates them. Hates. Constantly trying to solve that problem. Exactly. And I, I think, you know, this was a step in the right direction. Um, and what was cool is it never felt like the technology, which was featured in that ad, was actually taking over the ad. It was really the story of your life and your lifestyle and how that technology contributed to you and becoming healthier and serving your community. And I found that to be awesome. That was like just a perfect balance. It's exactly how advertising should work. Um, when, you know, when advertisers nail it, they nail it and it becomes not just, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, you know, it's not sell, it's tell. Yes. And that's, and that's great because I think, you know, brands have such great power these days that, you know, they can tell good stories and still sell product, which is inspiring. So totally. I, I would like your, you know, your thoughts on that based on what you do for a living. Yeah. It was quite interesting because like Telus had actually asked us to kind of like pull back the role of the product which at the time felt like kind of counterintuitive. Like they were like, it's your story. We want it to feel like completely natural. Um, So there wasn't much of, you know, the client being like, you really have to like layer all the stuff in. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I think they kind of understood that, you know, the project itself was, it came out a few weeks into January when people are, you know, they've started their New Year's resolution, but they're starting to waver. And so we collectively like from, myself at my agency with the client, the, the, the word that gap command was like inspiration. You know, if we like really inspire people, then they'll like the brand. And if they like the brand, they'll buy the products. The other issue too, is like with a telco, um, themselves, they're just providing connectivity. Like all those individual pieces are proprietary products owned by mm-hmm. all the respective brands. So effectively anyone in telco could have made that commercial. They have all these accessories, but right. uh, I think Telus was like, you know, tell the story in an inspiring way and let the tone of our brand come through that. And, you know, if we build that, hopefully the consumers will come to us. So your boss, uh, Scotty. Yeah. Showed me, Scotty's awesome, by the way, just yeah. saying that, but he showed me an email and he teared up as he was showing it to me, uh, that someone, I think wrote him or wrote you or wrote somebody, uh, that that spot, I, it changed their life in a dramatic way. I yeah. think they were on the brink of like a really dark thing. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if you could share more about that. But when when he read it to me and he was tearing up, 
um, I was I was floored yeah. at, at what I read, and uh, it was it was just incredible. Yeah, the response to the video has been um, quite quite overwhelming. I never, you know, always put these things out in the world, like any even personal projects, hoping that they will connect and it'll start some kind of dialogue. But uh, the dialogue it started has been just amazing. Like I probably spend an hour or two every Saturday writing replies to people that reach out to me and like oddly like based it'll be on that through, spot based on that spot and wow. oddly, it'll be through like Facebook they'll somehow find my like Instagram or like a hotmail or an email connected to like a photo site and reach out to me um, and people have shared like such incredibly like vulnerable stories I think because the video uh, was quite vulnerable and it was funny because that wasn't necessarily my doing like one of my colleagues was like He's like, man, you got to be real. You got to talk about the real stuff that you were telling mm -hmm. me about. Like, this is the stuff that inspires. And so people would share incredibly personal stuff. And one was a, a message came through about a woman who uh, was on the brink of taking her own life. And, you know, she was like, this video gave me a lot of hope, which to me, um, professionally, I don't know if I can ever top that. Like, you know, I'm in this world. I kind of stumbled backwards into marketing. And brands happen to be the new publishers, and so they enable me to make creative things, most of which are ads. So to create branded content with that sort of power to me is the apex of storytelling in a commercial context. So, um, yeah, I don't know how I'll ever top that because <laughs> for clients, I know they want me to say that, you know, my big MO is to sell things, but truthfully, it's to tell beautiful stories that are compelling and inspire. And that's what's cool because brands are such a big part of our lives. Um, I think they, they have a role, they have a responsibility, and they can tell an interesting story to help people and sell things in the process, right? Like that's that's what should happen more often than not. Definitely, definitely. And one cool thing as well that I, I think TELUS is doing, they're donating $5 uh, for every share. Right, yeah, so video. they donated, uh, I think we raised uh, $25,000 um, for the 60-Minute Kids Club, which is like a great national organization in Canada that teaches physical literacy to kids and, you know, inspires them That's to cool move. That's cool So yeah. um, for me, it was great, you know, like I believe that anything relating to advertising should have a transaction that's quite fair. Mm -hmm. Like as a viewer, your time is worth something. And so it's not just having a great experience. And so the fact that the viewer could watch that and share and effectively use their action to donate $5 to me was just like a really great line throughout um, the story and making it like truly authentic that if the brand really is committed to to health, then they'll put their money where their mouth is and, and pay it forward. So to me, that was, you know, a really cool thing to be able to like tack on as a mechanic to the overall video. And the other interesting thing about the role of technology. Uh, you mentioned this um, in a couple different places, but the ability to gamify your fitness uh, through technology, which uh, you know, in itself sounds fun, right? Gamify—that's like yeah. a big term, and uh, everyone's using it. But what's you said something earlier, which I think is at the essence of this gamification: noticing incremental changes daily. You, you don't notice if your muscles are getting bigger totally. or you're losing a pound or two pounds. It's, it's very hard to tell. Um, and in a lot of cases, it demotivates if you don't see results. But the ability to use technology to prove your trajectory is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I don't know if it would apply to everyone. Like, I'm quite self-competitive. Like, yeah. even 
at work, I hate praise. Like I firmly believe I'm only as good as the last thing that I've done. So um, when I was using like apps to track the walking and I remember the first week I walked like 44 kilometers and you know had some kind of slow pace. Like the next week I was like, cool, I just want to beat it. I just want to mm-hmm. beat it a little more every week. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it was necessary to do that, but it's just the way that I kind of- your mind works. Just how my mind works where it's like, um, you know, picking up the pace, walking longer, walking longer distances. And I found it quite fun. Also the ability that like a lot of these apps have to kind of like capture maps, like the data is just kind of fascinating to look at, you know, when you're just seeing like lines increase or decrease, it just made it a lot of fun. I'm not even like a gamer. As soon as video Mm -hmm. games went beyond like two or three button controllers, I was like, my brain can't even handle this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it did feel like a game, you know, trying to you know, pick up the pace, beating lights, like weaving yeah. throughout the city. Um, yeah, and it just made me fall in love with walking and using technology to power that. Much to your point of, um, it provided me with accountability. Like there were days where I could see like my kilometers dipping and that would inspire me to go mm-hmm. out. So um, yeah, that accountability that technology provided was really a powerful motivator for me at the start. Yeah, I mean, you know, little bits of dopamine that, you know, those things that gives you a little hit. I mean, it can help a lot, right? It gets you through those kind of valleys um, in between the peaks. What I like about it is the, its ability to affect your choices. So with the kind of emergence of wearables on a very real level, I noticed how it would start to affect uh, behavior in a very basic way. Like, okay, you know, every time someone, you know, goes to Costco or whatever, they're always looking for that parking spot that's right at the front. Right. I'll spend like an hour looking for it. Totally. Even though they could have parked at the back, <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, save time and, and energy. But they don't want to walk, which is hilarious. <clears throat> and, but, you know, maybe it's like, oh, well, I can get a few more steps in. So I'm going to park further away. So it's just those little moments Absolutely. That, that, you know, happen in the day. And I think that fitness is really outside of the gym. It's, it's, it's in how you, uh, whether it's walk to work, bike to work, uh, you know, it's how you sit or don't sit. And, and those tend to be, I think, you know, you spend more time out of the gym than inside the gym. And just the ability to affect behavior at those levels is really huge. Yeah, totally. Because for me, what I realized, like, I just be, I just fell in love with moving. And right. it wasn't just, like, walking. So it was, like, <clears throat> even when I started, like, handout sandwiches, it was using different bags and different configurations to, like, mm-hmm. alter the loads. Sometimes it was, like, the hilarity of going grocery shopping where my backpack the other way and just how much harder that made walking. Oh, so you, like, you put challenge into your life. Yeah, I put challenge into my life to try and like, to mix it up and to make that lifestyle change. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, like working out just doesn't have to be this thing that's slotted into your life, right. you know? Like there's just very small things you can do. Like even now, um, I've kind of really been inspired by kind of like biomechanics and this approach to, you know, just trying to keep your movement varied as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So. At home, I got rid of a couch. I have a medicine ball. I'm constantly like rolling up my hips. You know what I mean? Doing stuff on like Bosu balls at home all the time. Gave up having a bed. I sleep on a mat so I can stay like aligned and just, you know, just doing everything I can to kind of undo a lot of the damage it did to my body by being so big. And, you know, mm-hmm. what's been quite um, interesting for me is almost like becoming like addicted to movement now, not in a negative way, but having been immobile for so long, um, you're living in a body that's ineffective. And when your body starts becoming effective, Mm -hmm. the joy, uh, as corny as it sounds of, you know, I box and being able to work on like footwork and skipping and hitting the speed bag and lifting weights is 
you know, to me, it's like incredible every day because for, you know, close to a decade, I just was Mm -hmm. quite a sloth, you know? Right. And it affects you in such deep ways, right? Um, Not just physically, but mentally. And uh, I think people think that their brains are just in our heads, but really the body's a brain. Every cell of it is a brain. I was like quite surprised. Like I grew up kind of out of the punk rock scene where there was always kind of like a hatred of jocks as being these meatheads. Bro-y. Bro-y, you know, just like conservative and dumb. And for me, uh, what's been so fascinating is like how intellectual health is, you know, just like moving and technique um, and just realizing like how much tension we hold on our bodies Mm -hmm. from day to day. And then just being like the hilarity of, you know, I'm now 34 and I felt like the last year I've been taught to like rebreathe through my boxing coach, Mm -hmm. just, just these weird things. And so it now extends into my life where I can be like more patient, more adaptive, smarter. I can reset quicker. Um, and it just shocks me of like, you know, how intellectual it is and, you know, the there is no division between mind and body. It's one and the same. It's one and the same, yeah. And um, your boxing coach is a cool guy. Yeah, definitely. Jorge. Definitely, yeah. I was like, I felt quite fortunate through uh, Scotty, my boss, introduced me to Jorge Blanco, who's like a, a big uh, striking coach and strength and conditioning. And he's Spanish and he has like a, he's a big, uh, big believer in movement. And so to be able to learn like he's quite strict with technique so a lot of like a lot of like footwork a lot of uh weightlifting and it's been you know it's just amazing like you know he kind of has a very uh poetic kind of style that mm-hmm. we've all kind of been well versed in and for me i just i just love it now like it's it's so incredibly hard but through learning like all the breathing techniques and whatnot it's Absolutely. been it's been so enriching so enriching yeah i know jorge um quite well what's interesting about him is that he's really about performance under pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously boxing might be one of the biggest pressures out there because it's real, it's physical, you know when you're winning and losing. And there's real, you know, there's real stakes to it. But there's there's pressure in, in all our lives, work pressure, what have you. Performance, I think in general, people are so stressed out, they, they don't know how to perform. Uh, they're not getting punched in the face, but they're getting, you know. Totally. Uh, they're getting punched in different ways. And it's, it's funny how much things like breathing simple things, breathing, and just knowing how to control that mechanism will improve your ability to perform. And just knowing how to do that is, is huge. Yeah. Even funny things of like holding tension in your body and just shaking it off, like all these things that you never think about. Um, for me, it's like, I almost, when I'm working out or when Jorge's coaching me, it's so many, I'm laughing so much of the time because so much of what he teaches me is so obvious, but I don't know how I never arrived at that. You know, just these weird things of deep breaths throughout your nose, yeah. exhaling, you know, like shaking it off. And oddly, I find it like, you know, at home, if I'm working on something that stresses me out, I start doing these physical things to reset me. And, you know, sure. I would have never have done that before, before I would have made like a massive sandwich or ordered a pizza. So for mm-hmm. me, it's been quite, um, quite interesting to see how making these behavioral shifts, these lifestyle shifts, just, mm-hmm. you know, unlock a, a new level that, you know, I didn't even think uh, could exist. Right. So you reach for the Swiss ball instead of the sandwich. Yeah. That's really it, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was reading your, uh, your your bio, I was like, this could be mine. <laughs> That's exactly cool. how my life went down in, in a lot of ways. You know, time months well different, but essentially the same thing. Uh, I got to the point where I was, I was fit and kind of into sports, but then, you know, professional life takes over, adult life takes over. 
and stresses express themselves like in sandwiches and other things. And you're not really dealing with the core problem. And, and, and then, you know, things just snowball from there in all the wrong ways. And just to get back to the place where you can enjoy your body again, mm-hmm. you can take the stairs instead of the escalator. And when you get to the top, you're like, wow, I actually just did something. Yeah, I'm not dying. I'm not dying, exactly. Those little, those little victories, right, throughout the day, like just to use your body and feel it. Kind of like kids, right? They're just constantly like joyful. They're in their bodies. They're in their minds. It's really cool. What really is so remarkable uh, about what you did in all these different ways that you've described, you started really simply. Walking, breathing, um, you know, swimming. Things that don't cost a lot of money are very easy to do. Anybody can do them. And, you know, there's, there's really no excuse not to do them. You just have to make a choice, right? So it's it's not expensive. It's not difficult. You just have to start. Yeah, I think like for me walking, I think like one of my entry points into it, quite honestly, was like shame. Like I could just... You don't want to jiggle around when you ran? Yeah, I didn't want to jiggle around when I ran. I didn't want to put on like workout gear and kind of be like spotted by yeah. my friends just being like, dude, what's going on? And yeah. so the funny thing is, is like, you know, I'd bump into friends and they'd be like, what are you up to? And I'd just be like, oh, I'm just on errands. I'm going to the record store. I'm going to get coffee and grocery shopping. But meanwhile, I was just like... So you kind of hit it. Yeah, I kind of right. hit it like for a while just because... You weren't wearing like, was, the neon like warmers and none of that. There was like a funny story <laughs> where like living in Park that one of my clients, I remember once I must've been, I think it must've been like 2014, right? When I moved here, there's like some new year's resolution sale, at like one of the big stores and I bought like running gear. And then mm. I saw him like 10 days later and he's like, man, there's this doppelganger in the neighborhood that looks like you. He's like just running spandexed out. And I was like, Oh really? And I was like, Oh shit, that's me. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> and so yeah, just starting simply um, just made it like quite easy. Like I'm kind of fortunate. I live in the city. My work is about three kilometers away, so it's not like a long walk. And mm-hmm. I just kind of committed where I'm like, I'm going to walk every day. I'm going to walk through rain. I'm going to walk through snow. Like I'm not going to die. It's going to suck. I'm going to get some soakers, yep. but I'm just going to commit to it. And I had made excuses for so long that I had just had all these inputs of starting a new job. I discovered... Um, uh, Katie Bowman, who has like an approach to like movement that just really like resonated She's with fantastic. me. Yeah. Fantastic. And so I had all like, I just had ran out of excuses. So therefore like, I'm going to walk without excuses. And I just had to like flip that switch. And, you know, as it became easier and I became more alive in my body, it inspired me to, uh, pursue other things. Like I still got in the pool, like really huge. It's probably like, you know, 220, but, um, swimming was like, I'm still like a pretty weak swimmer. Like I can only do breaststroke for whatever reason, yeah. but I would still like rip really long, like two hour endurance swims. And wow. I found that like flow state that I got from walking, like that meditativeness where it was like in swimming, especially just being underwater, the way sound changes and just, you know, just the movement, I found it like incredibly relaxing and what I enjoyed about it, um, uh, like walking is that it never destroyed my body, mm-hmm. you know, like. I had previously like gone for jogs. I'd go run for like 2K and, you know, mm-hmm. come back and I'd be like shin splints, my like feet are yeah. smashed. So starting simply, um, oddly was like incredibly powerful because I achieved results that I never did when I tried to go to conventional gyms and do all these conventional things. Yeah. So speaking of beating your body up, so now you do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were telling me on the, uh, on the, uh, walk up the stairs about your uh your latest boxing trip yeah so i i feel um you know i feel really lucky now to 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 be healthy and so i try and roll in uh, i'm 34 now 
I've always had a passion for boxing. I've been boxing for a few years before I very seriously started boxing last year with Jorge. Um, and so given my age, I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to fight because to do so would kind of be embarrassing, like starting your yeah. mid thirties. So Conor McGregor under no threat yeah. right now. Yeah. You. <laughs> and so I still believe in creating, uh, things to train for, whether like real or imagined, um, mm -hmm. you know, runners train for races. And so what I like to do is like book trips around, um, either kind of like markers. So I'm um, going to Los Angeles tomorrow where I'll be walking like my 7,000th kilometer since starting walking and training at Wildcard out there. And the other week I was in um, Manhattan. So just uh, don't gloss over that point, Wildcard. You want to explain it for people who don't know? Yeah, Wildcard is, is uh, a gym in Hollywood who's owned by Freddie Roach, who's uh, one of the most like famous boxing trainers in the world. He trains like Miguel Cotto and Manny Pacquiao. I think Pacquiao's out there right now. He's fighting uh, in a week or so. Uh, so... Uh, I went there last August for the first time to train, and there was just such murderers there. Like, the level of fighting was so high. Yeah. And, uh, Did you spar? Uh, no, I would have got absolutely murdered. Right. I would have got absolutely murdered. And what was incredible was that there were women there when I got there. And uh, women can often knock, uh, uh, often don't have, like, knockout power, but their technique was so crisp that I just, like, hung out on the ropes, mesmerized for, like, an hour just watching these women that were in the most insane shape. And it was just the most beautiful thing I've ever mm -hmm. seen, like just raw power, but restrained by like technique. And so uh, the level of fighting in that gym is incredibly high and is regarded as such worldwide. So to be able to go out there and train, um, it's great, it's an awesome environment, it looks cool as hell, but you know, the people there are so inspiring and I always pick up a few, uh, mm -hmm. a few tips whenever I train out there. Yeah. Um, and so, so these days you're boxing, you're rolling, what else? Still walking. Like I still love walking. Uh, I probably now walk like uh, about a hundred kilometers a week before I used to walk like a lot more. Uh, and then now it's been segueing a bit into like strength and conditioning and just still a lot of like boxing and just kind of like elevating the things that I do in the gym mm -hmm. there. So like a lot of footwork, a lot of skipping, like hilariously become like quite into skipping. I think yeah. it's like really fun. I was always like a- It's in the video, it was pretty good. Yeah, I was always like <laughs> quite a terrible dancer. And so skipping kind of like veils the fact that I always wish I was a better dancer. So being able to learn like <laughs> skipping combinations, like double unders and crossovers yeah. and like all the tricks and stuff like that, um, yeah. I actually like it. So um, yeah, that's that's been it at the moment, but it's just still just trying to keep things varied like at, at home, you know what I mean? Like. Mm sitting on the floor, stretching my hips, just always trying to move in, in certain ways, which makes me like quite annoying to my friends now. Cause you're just always mobilizing. <laughs> yeah. You I are. feel like now I have just like such an insane level of like energy that to be static, like I went to my brother's house the other day and sure. sat on his couch and I, like, I almost fell asleep. I was like, can't even handle this. Like yeah. it just, it feels so foreign to me now. Yeah. It makes you think that, you know, when, when you're growing up, like I was, I was a kid who just couldn't sit still. Right. And I was, I was, I was bored being at a desk. Right. I needed to constantly be moving. Actually, in fact, that's how the gym started. Right. <laughs> I had this epiphany uh, while sitting at a desk. Yeah. Falling asleep on my desk at like you know ten o'clock in in the morning. I had a great job. Everything was going well. Money, no problem. But I was falling asleep, and I was, what the fuck? Like I'm, I'm young. I've got everything I need. Why am I? Um, you know, so tired and depressed. And I just started doing push-ups, just to like get myself out of that funk. Yeah. And the light bulb went off, which was, I need to be moving. If I'm not moving, I'm dead. Yeah. If I'm not moving, 
then I, I don't I, I just I just don't feel right. And so movement became everything for me at that point. Uh, and and just trying to use my like my body as a brain really. Yeah. And once and I think there's a lot of people like that. They need to move. Like if you know people, <laughs> I uh, I had a I had a beagle. It was my first dog. As an adult, I always wanted a dog growing up, and finally I got my own dog. Turned out not to be the greatest dog for me because those things are just spazzes. Yeah. But that thing couldn't sit still. So I found myself craving a bulldog because <laughs> I just wanted the thing to sit still. Right. And, I, you know, you realize that some things just need to move, and if they don't move, they're unhappy. And that, that dog would tear my apartment up when it was not moving, right? Yeah. It would just need to. And I think we're all like that. We need to figure out what our what our vibe is, our cadence and if we're not doing it, we're just going to be miserable. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting when we spoke about earlier, which like really resonated with me, was kind of, you know, you talking about your POV of like community and physical yeah. culture. And um, that was like one other like amazing benefit of like moving. Like moving to me just isn't physical, you know, where it just isn't a physical pursuit. But uh, to be able to go out on walks with friends and yeah. have conversations where, you know, your devices are in your pockets and you're like really present has been like incredible as well. And yeah. what's been shocking as well is that, uh, physically being out in the world has been great just for being more of a fly on the wall, but it has given me a sense of community, like beyond feeding literal people in my community, mm-hmm. just the new people that I've met in my life. Like it's so enriching. Like I sometimes like my biggest regret, honestly, as corny as it sounds is like, I wish I had started this sooner because the people that come into your life, um, when you're trying to like overcome adversity and the people that like start to cheer you on and the people that you inspire becomes like this, like you know, this beautiful equation that enriches everyone. So it's pretty cool. It brings out the best in people. Um, you know, the, I think the cheer squad factor of all this is huge. Yeah. From both sides. Uh, it's funny just doing CrossFit with your cheering is such a big thing. And even the running community, the run crew community that, that goes on now, almost more people I think show up to cheer than to run. And, and it's funny when you're in that cheer squad, you, you don't like you're doing it for the, for the athlete. But you're actually doing more for yourself. Right. Because it, it, it's like when in your day-to-day life do you get to cheer for somebody or be cheered for? Yeah. When do you get that gold star? It doesn't happen very often, but we need those gold stars. Totally. And this is just a way to get it done. That's a very primal, basic human need. You know, Katie Bowman, you know, she she identifies primal physical yeah. needs that if you don't get those inputs, your body will break down. Totally. But if you don't get those emotional inputs, some some way, some shape, some form, then you're gonna break down mentally as well. And that's I think I think that's the importance of setting up this context. And and, and again, you know, your your story frames that really well. You set up these situations where you had accountability through the community that you had built. You know, people were expecting you. You had the gamification aspect. Um, and, and, and all these other things on the line and you set up a scenario where it was kind of impossible to fail, really. Yeah. I, I was like, if I can't crack walking, this is going to be quite embarrassing. You yeah, know? you're like, that. Like, like, what do like, you do? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, this is like the lowest on the totem pole of all physical things. Like, yeah. you know, beyond maybe bouncing a ball off the wall. Like if, and Did you do like an aqua aerobics class? Like <laughs> wasn't far off, man. Wasn't far aqua off. Walking. I don't even know if I quit walking. I'm like, I guess I would have been one of those guys in Parkdale ripping around on like an e-scooter at that point. You know? Oh yeah, no, no, <laughs> e-scooter, e-cigarette, just yeah. no. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Uh, do you get people uh, coming up to you? I mean, obviously, you know, connecting with you through the story, but asking your advice, or or or, or you know, are are you finding yourself uh, trying to get other people to do what you did? Yeah, it's quite funny because uh, like um, the story is very real. Like I have no 
foundational health knowledge. I'm learning every day. Like it's, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in progress. It's mm -hmm. a process. So a lot of times people like hit me with this heavy stuff that I feel like, like what do you eat? How do you, what do I eat? Like quite unqualified. And like, I was just really fortunate in that like, I happened to find what works, what worked for me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I do enjoy the interactions a lot, you know, like it's quite humbling, but sometimes I, I, I'm dying inside because I'm like, I don't want to lead someone down like the wrong path. But the reality is, is like a lot of people are like, you know, how like essentially ask me to motivate them, which is quite hard because I think that you have to fundamentally be ready to commit because if you're not ready to commit, or inspired to commit, then you're just going to quit. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme. Yeah, was, that's that's not like a saying that just actually like came Cochran, out. OJ Simpson, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's back. quite hard. Like a lot of people are like, yeah. you know, how how did you stay motivated? And I just was quite lucky in that a bunch of inputs kind of like forced me to the point of confronting the fact that like I had to make a change, or I was on like borrowed time before I'd get like diabetes or heart disease. Yeah. How does it feel when someone walks up to you and says something you did made them? change their life or be healthier? Uh, it makes me, my automatic feeling is like awkwardness. Like just, you know. Yeah, it's like shut up. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of like, I mean, I'm it's worried. great. I'm, I'm glad. I just, uh, my nature is just to kind of like look down and sure. just kind of bury it. But it's good. I mean, like, you know, as someone who like is a marketer, if storytelling can change behavior, that's a positive thing. And uh, I didn't know where my process would lead when I started. And if it can inspire one person, the way that let's say Katie Bowman's podcast inspired me to move, then I just love that it's being paid forward. Like I was inspired, and if I can inspire someone else, that's amazing. So, and you have that ability, right? Yeah. And you're in that position. How has all this affected the way you work? Uh, it, it's kind of like reaffirmed to me, like how powerful storytelling is and the responsibility that storytellers have to tell stories that will better the world. I think like marketers weld like a lot of like influence, um, and obviously sometimes can like think that consumers are less intelligent than they are. And for me, it's proven like, um, how many people see the content and the effect that it can have on them. And so it's definitely made me like more responsible in a professional sense and, you know, and in terms of now physically being out in the world, I feel more inspired than I ever have, you know, just from seeing colors to hearing sounds, to seeing how people interact, to seeing social problems, like mm -hmm. the, uh, the power of just being out in the world as an observer to me is never lost on me. And I feel grateful every day. I walk the same street to work, like to and fro, mm -hmm. you know, 10 times a week. And I'm still grateful. Like every time there's always something new that I see that inspires me and, you know, enriches my work in, in ways I could never know. And what are some of your favorite storytellers or brands or things out there that you respect, look to for inspiration? I think anyone who does it like quite authentically, uh, you know, I think like, you know, Nike obviously does like a great job. Like I think they just understand like kind of like the, the tone. I think like Under Armour just did like that really great Michael Phelps piece. Right. Um, you know, I think there's... Have you seen the one with Missy Copeland? No. Uh, she's a, I guess, ballerina. Is that how you, ballet artist? I don't know, yeah. but it's, it's a great, it's a great spot. It, it, you know, it, I'll post the, the link. It's one of the, it's actually reminds me, it's maybe the last time I saw a spot before yours that really, um, inspired me and made me connect with the brand because they tell a story of this, uh, uh, 
uh, I'm going to butcher it, but essentially this, 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 this girl who's told by everybody in her life, teachers and, and, uh, you know, fellow ballerinas and all that stuff that you'll never make it. Your body's not right. Yada, yada, yada. And she's reciting the words that everybody has told her over the years. And, uh, you know, it just kind of, you know, pans out to her dancing and she's one of the top dancers in the world. Amazing. It's, It's beautiful. Like, well done. Uh, it, it's just the perfect balance of, of sell and tell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Under Armour is cool. Anybody else that you think is doing it right? Yeah. I mean, there's a ton like Red Bull. I think anyone who understands that you need to let the subject be like, you know, it just has to be authentic. So those brands that like kind of get that, I think everyone kind of knows, you know, like the Nikes of the world, the Under Armors, um, the Red Bull. I actually like don't watch a lot of like ad stuff. I hate it for the most part. Yeah. I try and like not pay a lot of attention to it because most clients want to emulate like whatever's happened. Just want to copy. Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, this, this commercial hit at large. Like what can we do like that? So I just try and not watch it is, you know, that might seem kind of counterintuitive. I'm kind of that way too. I I think, you know, I don't look to any other gym. I model my ideas, not on, on fitness, on, on, you know, on Tesla, on Google, on Apple really. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, they're, they're, they're more philosophies than they are. Absolutely. Um, brands, really. And, you know, but it, it's, it's cool to see people in the world doing it right. And especially in a world where there's so much white noise and everybody's copying everybody and original thoughts are, are maybe as, as much stuff as we have, the originality seems to be, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, going in the opposite direction. But I'm always curious, you know, whether it's a musician, whether it's a brand, whether it's, uh, you know, a person, whatever, who's actually you know, saying stuff that, that matters right now. Oh God. I mean, yeah. I don't even, Sorry, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even, I mean, yeah, I, mean? I think that, you know, there's, I think, you know, there's a real like wave of truth right now. I think where like people are getting real, like across the board. So yeah. I think, you know, like, do you I think mean, that's a count? Cause you're in this industry, you're in this industry where, uh, people feel immediately when they see an ad, they're like, uh, you know, the guardrails are up. They're like, I'm going to be manipulated. And if you're not, it's actually an exception to the rule. Yeah, I think like you look at young people now who've grown up with the information age, you know, like they've grown up in that they're digital natives. Like they are a lot more um, critical than like previous generations. And now, you know, the Internet, you know, digitally allows you to travel anywhere. And so people can see an ad and, you know, there can be claims in that ad and then they can go online and like go to a Wikipedia page and they saw that this bank did something or this petroleum company did something. So um, there's been like an inversion in who has the control. And I think that mm. now, you know, obviously social media has empowered people to call bullshit. They can call bullshit and take, you know, brands and companies to task for their claims. So uh, I think brands... Some have decided to become more truthful, but others have been forced to be more truthful. I think ultimately, like, that's a good thing. Before we were broadcasted into it now, it very much, like, is a dialogue where people online react to, to what they see. So that's kind of changed the dynamic and informed how content is made. What's, uh, what's exciting to you right now, whether it's uh, movement, boxing, work? What's, what's kind of piquing your interest right now? Man. Or you could have two things. Yeah, so much. I think (laughs) just seeing um, this movement, like movement right now is still, you know, it's quite new to me. I've only been like, you know, quite aggressive about moving for about the last year and a half. But seeing this kind of evolution of conventional jerky movement in the gym, like evolving to be 
something that is like outdoors and more like restorative and well-rounded and multidisciplinary. And I think it's like quite interesting. I think like, you know, when you look at the MMA world, which is like this hybrid of all these different disciplines, they kind of take the best out of everything. So a jogger no longer just has to train like a jogger. A swimmer no longer has to just train like a swimmer. And there's mm -hmm. more like this internetification of how we all kind of like work out. And that right. to me is like really inspiring right now. The fact that, you know, I will be training in a certain, you know, a certain exercise that's always been associated with Olympic weightlifting, but it is now helping me with boxing. So that's mm -hmm. all been quite inspiring. Just seeing that movement, like you, you just see the rise of like biomechanics and um, just people interested in trying, you know, different things and movement kind of becoming a lot wider. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, everything, I, I think, honestly, YouTube and Instagram, I, I see it in, in my world, uh, whether it's Olympic weightlifting, CrossFit, uh, the the exponential growth of, of people's technique, MMA, you mentioned, right? When yeah. people start to see other people doing things, it makes it in their mind possible, especially when you have a visual format. Totally. Like, right. I remember years ago, like, it almost broke the internet when GSP was doing, like, gymnastic right. rings. exactly. And everyone was like, whoa, why is he doing that? Like, and how does that have to do with fighting? And then it's like, you realize like the guy is building gnarly core strength and exactly, you just yeah. then see how it applies. So uh, for me that like seeing that openness, you know, that a uh, guy who's a professional just destroyer is now just doing gymnastics to me is just like, you know, so awesome and inspiring. Well, there's a dissonance there, right? It's like, why is he doing that? That doesn't make any sense. And it makes you kind of look deeper into what he's doing and why, and you can't really argue with his results. Yeah, totally. Right. Uh, did Jorge uh, give you GSP's gloves? When you when you box them, I I have worn them. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> that I, was cool. Yeah, he did that to me, and I was just like, oh man, sorry, GSP. I'm just like murdering these, throwing like the worst technique. But yeah. yeah, it was definitely fun to put them on. Yeah, that was cool. I remember the first time I met him. He's like, you know, after the he scrambled my brain with yeah. all his like you know breathing exercises, and then like you know uh, left right, he does this thing where he uh, you know he'll say, okay, you're gonna move right. And if you don't move right, when I say move right, uh, I'm going to make you do a burpee. And then you do it. And I'm like, okay, this is easy. And I say, okay, when I say right, you have to move left. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I did so many burpees that, yeah. <laughs> that session. I hate that. I always it was like, great, man. Like that's uh, I love, my favorite thing. I love Jorge, but he's also the biggest liar because he always prefaces everything. You're really going to love this. Yeah, and yeah. I actually end up hating it because it's just something new that's totally hard yeah just like an e it's just one of those evil you know, you're really gonna love this yeah exactly yeah. yeah but it was cool and then I, you know he's like here are george's gloves i'm like george <laughs> yeah it's like yeah gsp i'm like you put them on you kind of feel like you're in that you know persona for a sec yeah it's for about cool. one if for me it was about one second it was one second yeah, yeah. i probably had a few more seconds i just wanted to like <laughs> be in that body for a bit um but you know again it's so cool uh, that something that you did that was based around a real thing that you were going through, it became your, well, it was your life. It became your work and like inspired me. I've shared that thing to some, with so oh, many people. And I mean, you know, and one of my other evil uh, intentions here was to, you know, share with even more people and have them do it because I think it's, it's such a cool uh, combination again of, of life, work, body, mind, all that stuff. And I, I just really would, would love people to not only challenge their bodies, start in simple ways if you have to. Yeah. Eventually it'll get you to something maybe uh, uh, more complicated like boxing or, or jujitsu or whatever else you want to do. 
Um, and, and also bring that into your work, like have it inspire you to actually do something creative, innovative and inspirational. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the one thing that has been like quite interesting to me is, you know, how adaptive your body is and how strong, uh, it can become so quickly. Like mm-hmm. when I think of like a level that I'm at now, like I would have never imagined I'd be at this level, like probably four times a week, I'll do like a 45 minute long, like continuous skip, like you know, really grinding. Like I weighed myself skipping on Sunday for the first time. I lost like four and a half pounds, like within 45 minutes, like just grinding. And, um, that is so inspiring when you just start seeing your body as like this machine and how Mm -hmm. hard it can go like beyond your wildest dreams. And, um, that to me, this like elite level now, uh, literally started with walking half an hour a day. And so, um, anyone who's struggling with getting started it's like you just take those steps and like watch out man you're gonna be shocked where you end up journey of a thousand miles 100 percent. ben thanks a lot man thank you yeah cool have fun in la i'll try 